Praise God. So here, what, we, what we're going to be looking at this session is relationship with people. So I've looked at relationship with God, but now let's look at our relationship with people. How identity affects, our sense of identity affects how we live with people. So a few things you guys uh, will see. Let's go. So we hurt, we, we hurt ourselves when we expect or demand from people what God has given us in Christ. Let me explain that. Happiness is in God. True, unshakable happiness and joy is in God. But when we expect it of people, we tend to hurt ourselves. And I'm one of the, cap- I'm one of the leaders in that feelings. Sometimes it sounds like a tricky one because you expect your spouse to make you happy kind of stuff. But what if they are going through some life, some life crisis and they're not able to make you happy in that period they're going through what they're going through? Does that mean you should not be happy? Right? And same, time, same thing goes to our friends. I used to moan and complain a lot back in the days when my friends are not showing up and not stepping up and stuff like that. But at some point I learned I have to, I'm looking in the wrong direction to get the peace, the joy, the satisfaction that God has given to me in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things that messes up people's lives a lot in the world we live in today is that people are looking for happiness from other people who are also flawed like him, who are also looking for happiness. So it looks like a chain of reaction and um, a kind of an ecosystem an an unhealthy ecosystem where one party depends on that party for something that that party doesn't have. I will not lie to you. When we get married, we are all broken one way or the other. I showed us the source of brokenness. So there's a form of brokenness in the life of each and every one of us that Christ is still fixing to some extent right in our soul, not in our spirit, I mean. And to go into marriage or a kind of relationship expecting that person to be all of that thing is to be confused or not to be thinking correctly. And I'm being mean here a little bit, but I don't mean to be mean. Amen. So it, it may sound a bit sensitive and painful, one, but it's just the truth, because we should ask ourselves, how are we getting on expecting other people to make us happy? Amen. So that's one of the key things we need to bear in mind when it comes to dealing with people. And how that connects with our identity is this. So when you see yourself to be helpless, when you see yourself a victim, or you consider yourself a victim, right? you don't think of what you can give, you think about what you can get. The Bible says of God that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giving God. Jesus said it's more honorable to give than, more honorable, because I would like to speak more clearly, more honorable to give than to receive. But the world we live in today is always thinking about what it can get. Our relationship with people should not be focused on what I can get, but it should be about what I can give. A caution here, that does not mean that we should give ourselves to people who want to exploit us. Uh, Exploiters are not thinking right, and they are here to steal, and that is the nature of the devil. So you should not allow them in your space. Amen. So when we are not looking ourselves in the right way, we tend to want to take things out of other people, expecting other people to be this. I'll repeat, one of the most silly things anybody can do is to expect of is to hold you responsible accountable for their flaws or for their mistake or for their unhappiness. We are all responsible for our happiness. 
Happiness is a state of the mind. Joy is a state of our soul, of our spirit. If temper meets, I'll go into it. In Christ Jesus, in your spirit, you have joy. And when the Bible says you should rejoice, it means you should give that joy expression. Right? But happiness is a condition of the mind. Right? And you and I are responsible for, for changing the thoughts in our mind so that we can be happy. Amen. So, uh, let's move forward. So, uh, relationship with people. This is more of questions here. So, questions for you to take home. And if you think you would like to have a conversation with us after this meeting, please feel free. But, you know, based on the things we've been talking about. Now, friendships. Why do you keep the kind of friends you keep? What do you look for in your friends? Friends, people of God, listen carefully. How you see yourself, maybe a victim, will determine the kind of people you keep as your friend. If you see yourself as a victim and you think people should console you all the time, you'll be looking for consolers. And you can get a lot of them. Pity party. I hate that pity party. It incapacitates me. It makes me feel weak. It makes me feel incapable and inadequate. I don't like it. But my flesh likes it. It just wants to feel pitied. I don't like it because I don't like it. It puts me in a place where I cannot really perform and deliver. I don't like it. So how do you see yourself? A victim or a victor? The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. True Christ will love you. You are always winning. You are wired to win. Not at the expense of other people. But in any situation you find yourself, you are wired for winning. And who defines winning? God defines winning. Because winning in every ground with God, on God's, be, on God's terms, or God's perspective, is that you do what he asks you to do the way he wants you to do it. That is you winning. Not when you are able to put out the light of a person so that your light can shine. Those are attributes and behavior of the sinful nature. You are not a sinner. Amen. So, when some people see themselves in a negative way, a few things I can't call out because of kids here, they want to associate with people like that because that's where they see themselves. Are you getting me? Have you noticed that? This is not even friends. Okay, let me come into that and I'll be able to explain it. So let's go into romantic relationships. So what kind of, for singles, what kind of male or female are you trying to attract? It tells us a lot about how you see yourself. It tells us a lot about how you see yourself because if you don't see yourself to be, uh, to be worthy of the best of the best man on earth in Christ Jesus, you want to go for anything riffraff. Do you mean everything? Anything on sale? No quality. Made in Taiwan. <laughs> And I was praying for single ladies one day, and God said to me that, tell them that there are, is it 7,999 good men out there? He said, this thing about there are no more good men out there, just, just, just jump on whatever you have, is a lie. Now, when you hold on to those lies, your mind will lead you in a direction you should not go. So you'll be looking for what God has given to you in the wrong places. 
you know, for most of the single ladies I've met, and one thing I keep saying, there's a particular lady I know, I, and I say to my wife sometimes, I said, if this lady will learn to be stable and follow the truth, she'll be led to the right place to be found. Very brilliant, talented, you know, beautiful lady, right? But she can go everywhere possible to get revelation and insight. We gotta be careful. Amen. So how people see themselves, but when you dig into it, you realize that a lot has to do with how people see themselves. Amen. So, <laughs> Jesus is Lord. So when a single lady goes to the club and um, literally half naked in order to get the man, can I sit down? You know that sometimes you want to have a family meeting that you want to sit down. So you, uh, there's this thing called being sexy. <clears throat> you want to be sexist. I hate that word. You know why? Because I say, I, and the reason is this. To be sexy means to provoke. I know the dictionary also describes it as something cool, but that's what added later. That was not the original um, uh, definition of it. It means to stir up a sexual desire in someone. So a single lady dress sexy to stay her sexual desire in the opposite sex, and she's thinking that that guy. So, if the guy comes to you on a sexual basis, do you think he will have a? He will be thinking of you differently in such a way that he wants to add value, to you, he wants to cherish you. Now, do you know what you? Can you remember what you're selling? You are selling sexual attraction. You are not selling yourself as somebody to be treasured and valued. So when women and single women and married men say, you know what, no, do you look sexy? What do you think you will, what do you think you will attract? Because a cool time is the time that they use, uh, I, I get you, I get you, I get you, but it's the time that a lot of people use, because a lot of, uh, you know, they, they use it. But I'm trying to help us to understand the meaning of it. How do I look? You don't look good. When you dress, I mean, when, when they are dressed provocatively, they, don't, they, they know where to go to ask the questions. How do I, you are not looking, you do not look like a royal princess. So when you get a gangster as your husband, take nobody responsible for your crime. Because what you've done is going to attract somebody who just wants to touch you and do stuff. So let's get it straight. So take that home to go and tell some single people. Because it's been so well packaged, and um, people then take it as an identity, but it's a lie. Even if at all people cannot identify the sources of the lies in their mind, okay, let's look at the outcome, the result we are getting. Are you getting the result you want to get? If you're not getting that result, then it should not make you think, um, what, what am I doing wrong that is making me get this kind of result? If a lady keeps attracting guys who just want to use her and dump her, then we need to ask her, how are you thinking? How do you see yourself? Where are you going? Because every action a single lady takes is a function of how she sees herself. And predators, guys, can smell vulnerability and they can quickly exploit it. Even me, who is not a predator, when I see a vulnerable woman, I haven't spoken to her for two or three minutes, I can tell. And that's why I say to people, if you want to go into ministry, if you know you have issues in your brain, don't go there. Because in church, you deal with vulnerable people. And people will be vulnerable with you because they, will, they believe that they should find some protection security there. So pastoring is not for the small boys. 
family meeting over. Next. So we, 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 I've covered a few things. I, I guess you guys took pictures. So married. <laughs> the most, this most saddest moment in my marriage at the times I was expecting my wife to make me happy. I can't you understand I'm doing this for her here and there. Until I took my life together. And since then, our marriage has never had a better day, a better yesterday. What are you expecting? Time will not allow me to go into the time to explain to you what the Bible says about nourishing your wife, loving your wife as yourself. There are all manner of trash out there about you know, what the man should expect from the woman. I've not heard things like what the man should give to the woman in many of the settings I'm talking about. And when it comes to what the man should give to the woman, they are so unca- they're so carnal and ungodly. The best gift I think I can, I can give to my wife is to help her become who God wants her to be. And I do push her sometimes. I do help her sometimes. Sometimes they are quite challenging, but I know what she carries on the inside of her, and she's just, she's just got to be it. So when she, by accident, or somehow step into it, I just leave her so that she can, you know, she can just go in there. And when she looks back, okay, I'm still there. Because she got, to, she got to be it. And don't think she has not given me attitude. <coughs> Pray for me, we'll have our marriage counseling later. You know, so she did a, P, a video piece one time like that, and um, I was just sharing all over the place. Anybody who cares to hear, because I knew what came out of that video. I was a cameraman, I filmed the whole thing. And she was like, well, but, but I've not, not decided to take to shed myself. I said, look at this woman. I just called her friend because her friend, her best friend is the one behind. When they start arguing, I don't get myself involved. Both of them, she's a lawyer, she's a... When they start their argument, I don't get myself involved. So I said, your sister said this and this and that. I will stop this. Say, ah, guy, 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 guy. Okay, I hate from the first time. Don't worry. That's fine. I get to me. So what am I trying to say? She... There's a way she saw herself back then because, okay, let me, let me rewind a little bit more because to give you a little bit more context. So when I met Jolomi, you know, when we go out and some people, you may think she's a very license to say this, I will share it, don't worry, we'll find, she will not divorce me. When she comes around certain people with strong personality, she speaks so inferior. I know the tone of that voice. I don't like it. When you live with me, when you work with me, you got to be very bold. And she's like, oh. Now, everybody may not hear it, but I know the voice. When, I know the tone of the voice of someone who feels inferior, who see less of themselves, who think less of themselves. I said, this is not happening. And I'll just pump out with the world, get that stuff, you know, share my ideas, my thoughts, and everything with her, how I'm thinking. And she started getting infected bit by bit. So the Jolomi you've seen there now is not the one you saw that was that one I met her. So you're happy, you're, you're blessed you married me, right? Half a day, yeah. <laughs> I guess to me. What are you looking for in your spouse? But I'm also flipping it. What do you want to, what are you giving? Have you thought about what you can give, not what you can get? Now if your spouse is not, doesn't seem like they're very serious with their life, how can you help them? I've made up my mind, this one will succeed by force. There's a journey we're going on in the next six months. And everything the CFO needs to know, maybe I'm not supposed to share this, but fine. Because it's in the finance, and that's the way I think. So I got a few books on CFO, financial controlling. I started reading them. I'll finish, I'll read every of those materials I bought until I'm able to describe what she should be doing in 10 or 20 slides. 
I will now school her in it. Help her to then get a job in it. Support her until she's able to get the job and make the money. I need that tight for ministry. I've started. What can you give? People have some specification as to the kind of woman I'm looking for. And I'm thinking, what makes you, that, what makes you think that you are qualified to deserve, not on God's perspective, that kind of woman? What I mean is this. Some people don't have anything good they can really give, but they are looking for the best and the perfect. When you are looking for your perfect spouse, what value will you have to their life? It's a question. If you are looking for a perfect spouse, what value will you have? What would your spouse say to you in five years that this is, I'm so glad I married this man or married this woman because of this value they bring? And not the value of you buy me Louis Vuitton, you buy me gold, you buy me bag. No. Amen. Married. Our expectations, are they healthy? Because if you see yourself as the, somebody who needs help, you can't give help. But I can challenge you to ensure that you be a person who gives help. You say, you know, even though you have pride in your head, this is the woman thinking in the mind, even though you have pride in your head, me also support it because you must succeed by force. You pull out, you apply jobs on his behalf. I said, they said you have interview next week. So if, he, if he's not preparing or showing up for that interview, they will have another conversation. Send him to me. Send him to me. We just want to have five minutes conversation. What are you thinking? Man of God, have you started preparing yourself now? That's it. I said I'm a military, military man, right? That's just a little of it. Ibukun can tell you I'm a military man. Amen. Where's Ibukun? Where's Ibukun? Raise your hand. They can see you. Raise your hand. Yeah. What are you talking about? I get to be. Right, let's do this. So are your major marriage problems linked to, how you, to your identifications? Questions for you. The major marriage problems you go through, are they linked to how you see yourself, what you identify with? Amen. Okay, let me, let me tell you something. So if we, have, if we seem to have anybody here who we'll go on LinkedIn and see what their spouse is doing and they're thinking, look at all my wife's mate, like they say it's in Africa. They are this, they are this, this one's a GP, this one is a this. What's she doing with her life? You, must, you are kind of mistaken. You want to hear the truth. I've been in the business profession for some, while, for some time now. Many of the titles you see on LinkedIn, the people are not doing exactly what they have as their title on LinkedIn. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. I've been in companies whereby... <clears throat> I've been, don't worry, Pastor D, don't worry, we'll be fine. I think the audience is the most, yeah. I would not lie to you. See, I've been in companies where they will have head of this, director of that is a lie. They don't know what they are doing. I'm telling, I'm, don't tell anybody, I'm telling you the truth. So if you think you're not capable of a particular job, put out your CV, go and apply. When you get there, you'll be shocked. Grammar, English, is what many people are speaking in the workplace. That's why when people like us show up, they are intimidated because they not only is come to get the job done. One of the biggest struggles I have at work is that I fight to do my job. You know, it's one thing for you to be lazy and you don't want to work. But for me, I want to do my job. They are blocking me. To do my job, I'm fighting. Because I know this guy is coming to get the job done. He's not here to tell stories or speak English or drink tea. 
somebody, a very senior people posted in my workplace said, I told her, you know what? Because they saw how I was going. They said, you know what? You need to slow down. You are doing too much. You are doing too much. You need to slow down. I'm thinking, you think I want to be here forever? Me. I'm, cal- I'm thinking of becoming a CEO in two years. You're telling me. I'm just thinking, Mama, you're telling me to calm down. You think my... So don't feel intimidated if your spouse is not, doesn't have the title. Many of it is just title. Amen. Because I know people who go into it. I used to be like that. So I go on LinkedIn. When I'm coming back, I'm depressed. Ah, Lord, my life. I'm telling you, honestly. Right, so let's carry on. Parenting, let's talk about this. What do you want your children to become and why? Bam, bam, bam. That's ring. Dun, dun, dun. What do you want your children to become and why? Footballer. For what reason? For amazing. For, for money. You are blessed. You are a joker. That's what I mean. To become a footballer, you take the boy, you force him to go and play football, and he himself is identifying himself as a footballer. What God has not called him to do? You are blessed. No, you are a joker. For money. So if anything happens to the football industry and the boy has, inv- I mean, a crash in a sense, and the boy has invested all his life being a footballer, so what then happens to him? Why? Why do you want your child to be, whatever you want the child to be, why? Is it because you, okay, let me not expose some people, you know. <clears throat> okay, 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 that's fine. Right. So, what's your fear in parenting? Are you afraid that your child can become what you were? Mm. Fear is a power in the hand of the enemy to harass and oppress lives. A parent should not be afraid that their child will turn out badly. Rather, focus and invest on how that child can be the best God wants him to be. Because how you see yourself, and sometimes when you see your child manifesting some kind of trait similar to yourself, fear comes up. And unconsciously, you begin to place that label on him or her, expecting him to turn out that way unconsciously. So, but if you can know that what you went through or what happened to you is a function of your falling, the falling nature, and you know what your new spirit is, you want to help that child to understand, to get to know who they are in Christ Jesus and support them, give them every resources they need to enter into it, as opposed to allow fear to rule you. Amen. Uh, what personal issues are you taking out on your kids? Personal question, go and think about it when you get home. Personal issues that you are taking out on your kids, like, go and think about it. Right, what are you still blaming your parents for in your life? So I've talked about the parent side of things. So now the child side of things. And some of you guys here, some of us are still blaming our parents for something that happened a long time ago. But how is it helping you move forward? Somebody got to kick themselves out of it. My parents have lived their life. They did the best they could do. What best can I do? Amen. What best can I do? What is available? What is out there? I didn't come from a home where I was given, I was given the best, you know, I'll probably say I'm the most, I'm the richest in a sense in my, in the record of my family, in a sense, in terms of when it comes to 
working, doing things in the secular world, kind of thing, intelligence, brilliance. I would say I am beyond my father in every ground. But I could limit myself on the basis of how my father performed. It was quite intelligent stuff like that. So I can, I may be leaving on that. I might be saying, you know, keep thinking about what they did not give me, what they didn't do for me. And I can choose to say, you know what, okay, okay. I want to get this, I want to get this, I want to be this, I want to achieve this and go for that. Because your life is not, your life should not be built on history, but should be built on the ability of God and what God is able to do through you. So we should be futuristic in our thinking, not backward in our thinking. Amen. So if you are still taking anything going on in your life out on your parents, you're just wasting your time. Because nothing will change. You cannot undo the past, but you can reshape the future. Amen. You cannot undo the past. Try it as it worked. You okay? You can take it upon yourself tonight to say, from this moment, I want to find out what is available, what I can become, and I'll go for it because Christ lives on the inside of me. Amen. Please think about those things. Uh, if you want this whole slide, I can send it to you guys. Uh, that, no, not the entire slide, but that one, right? So we've, we're not going to do this. Like to this uh, I've, I've done that. I'm going to switch. I'm going to um, go past the breakout session we're supposed to have. When I finish, I'll come back and um, talk about um, this vulnerability thing very quickly. Now, many people think they're an afterthought. You know, I was born, and now God is thinking, what can I do with him or her? No. The Bible verse we read earlier on said, while you were being formed in your mother's womb, it was watching. God said to Jeremiah, I said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. God knew you. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Regardless of the situation or circumstance surrounding your birth, you are not an accident. You are not. Now, the circumstance surrounding your birth may sound accidental, be a fling or something, but you are not an accident. Amen. You are not an accident. So if you are not an afterthought, and God, you know, I thought things through about you, so here I'm looking at purpose, I thought things through before you were created or you were born, then it stands that you need to find out why you were born. I repeat, so if you're not an accident, you're not an afterthought. God knew you before you were born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, then you should find out why were you born in the first place? Why did this send you? Because now you did not come from your parent, you came through your parent. I repeat, you did not come from your parent. One of the reasons why you cannot keep holding your parent responsible for what happened to you. In, what, I, what I mean is this. You can't keep holding on to what your parent did or did not do to move forward in life. You came through your parent. Don't forget. Now, look at this. That Bible verse 139 says, God was watching you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. And it says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, it knew you. So which means your mother's womb only gave you what? A body. But the life in the womb is from God. I repeat. The, now, the womb creates the human body. But the life of that baby is from God. 
Amen? I feel like make some statement, but it may cause riot. I guess me. The life in the womb is from God. So if God knew you, gave you, now if God knew you, sent you to this world, gave you a body in the womb of your mother, then he has a plan, he has an intention, he has a purpose for you. Now, but when you came into this world, something happened to you. You got a mind, you got a soul that has been infected by sin. Now we need to beat past all of that, get you reconnected to your source through Christ Jesus, become born again, re-educate your soul, re-educate your mind, and discover what you were created for in the first instance. So when you're teaching purpose or talking about purpose, this should be the starting point. The man, the woman, the Sarah that existed before she was born. The Sarah that existed before she was formed in her mother's womb. So talking about purpose is talking about knowing who, why did God send Sarah in the first place. The circumstance surrounding Sarah's birth, where she came from, what, you know, whether they are Jew, Gentile, country, is not a matter. The, the, the focus is the fact that we are sending Sarah to the earth for a mission, for an assignment. Turn your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. Let's go quickly. 1 Timothy 2, 3, 4. 2. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. So the Bible says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What the, the number one purpose, the overarching purpose of God, is that every human being to be restored back to him through Christ Jesus. And that's why Jesus came. So each and every one of us, our purpose is linked to this assignment, this mission of God. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God has given to each one of us a ministry of reconciliation, which means an assignment to know Jesus and get people to come to know him. And it goes in many different forms. And he has given you different talents, abilities, and skills to accomplish this overarching purpose and goal in the body of Christ. Amen. Uh, I'm, I've jumped ahead myself. But let me quickly go this. Now, let me quickly just touch on this and then I'll carry on with what I was saying about 1 Timothy 2 4. Uh, what is purpose? Now, there are general conception of purpose. So, so, purpose simply means the intention of creation, why something is created, right? Good one. Now, generally, people's people, uh, conception of purpose is based on their ident identification. So, when a person can play a tennis game properly, they say, you know what, I am born for this. Sometimes, when some people have a situation in their life and they then come out of it, they meet people who are suffering what they've just come out of, they feel it's their purpose to help people in that area. I'm not saying that may not happen sometimes, but pr primarily, maybe not. What I'm trying to do here in less than one and a half hours is trying to help us to go back, to learn to go back to the source to find out why he created us. You may excel in many things in life, but that doesn't mean you excelled in the actual purpose, the original intention before you were formed in your mother's womb. Make sense? So people will think of prophecies. You know, a man of God may prophesy something over your life and say, this is what you are called to do. Now, if the Lord has not been speaking to you in your heart or confirm it in your spirit, don't follow through. Take it, put it on the shelf. We have a lot of problems around prophecies today. A lot of problems about prophecies. 
like I said, if God has issues with me, I don't expect him to go tell the prophet to come and tell me. So if God has a purpose for you, I don't expect him to go tell somebody without your consent about it. Even about, even about you have never had it, as a person is saying it, God in you will be confirming it. But if anyone is saying something to you and it gets you excited in your head, you want to put it on the shelf. If someone is saying something to you that you are created for something and something inside of you does not agree, then you are not called to do that thing. Amen. So can you see that all of this has to do with your relationship with the Father? Amen. Experience is another funny one. You know, people just have different kind of experiences in life. Maybe they've been through um, slavery and things like that and say, I'm called. The one that bothers me the most is the one where this Black Lives Matter thing. <clears throat> you know, some people, I've met people, I'm not, I mean, I've met people who, in the wake of this black um, issue, then take it as their purpose to help black people do something. is a lie. So that sounds too mean, but it's not true. Why black people alone? Do you know what the Bible says? It said there's no white or black in him. I'm, talking, I'm joking, but that's how I bought it. But the Bible says that there's no distinction, there's no differentiation, there's no favoritism in God. I don't believe, with all confidence, I don't believe anybody is called to a particular race. I don't believe it. Because the only distinction before God and the world is either you are saved or unsaved. So people, because of the experience, what they've been through, or what is happening out there, they say, you know, this is my purpose, this is what I want to do. All right. When we get to heaven, we'll talk about it. Right. So your purpose is not so is not isolated from God's purpose. Sorry, there's a typo there. So what I'm trying to say, which I was showing up from First Timothy 2 earlier on, is this. God has a purpose. Your purpose cannot be outside of God's purpose. So a lot of people who are not born again have come found a purpose for themselves. Now, I'm not trying to say that such people, they will not be a blessing to other people. They will do, right? Because there's a difference between serving humanity and fulfilling purpose. So you may be serving humanity, blessing people, but the thing is, if you don't, focus, if you don't do what you are, were actually designed to do, you just kind of waste the time. Make sense? So Ephesians 2.10 tells us that you are God's workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. So God has a purpose for you even before you were born. And being recreated, being born again, is kind of the starting point of discovering that purpose and working in it. Because the thing is, is the God kind of purpose, God's purpose cannot be fulfilled with the mind or human strength is divine, is spiritual. Amen. I know you guys are due for another break, but let's really do this so that I can get you to... Yeah, so I... Uh, yeah. Purpose is discovered, not self-designed. You don't fabricate your purpose. You don't say, this is who I am, what I want to be. You need to go back to the Father and let him begin to steer your heart in the direction he wants you to go. Amen. So purpose is discovered, purpose is reviewed, purpose is not self-designed. You are not the creator of yourself. So you, imagine the projector machine saying to me that, no, <laughs> I want to be used for something else. Is that, eh? Touch light. 
I'm asking it to project. It's telling me it wants to be a torchlight. Seriously? I get to me. So the created, the creature, can, should, not, can, should not be saying, I want to be used for this. It should find out why it was created because it cannot experience true fulfillment in life until it begins to do what it was created to do. So true fulfillment in life comes from doing what we were created to do. Anything outside of that is just a lot of struggle. I've been speaking for probably six hours now. It didn't, I'm like, I'm having fun here. I'm enjoying it. And I'm not speaking nonsense or sentimental, motivational. No, it comes out of me. I'm wired for this. I feel for my wife. I, I preach the woman sometimes. <laughs> but now we preach each other. Uh, but babe, I'm thinking, no, come to our house, you see drama. You know, just, babe, I'm thinking, I say, you know, I can't think about that right now. And I, I'll think about it, I'll pray, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go and read it, I'll go and do a research, I'll come back to you on that one. Right? But before I was almost started, I was like, you know, do, do you know what the Bible says? Now, he was like, babe, you know, I was reading my Bible, but this one, this thing that we used to believe, that it actually, it's not looking like that. I said, hey, really? Okay, then let me go and look at it. I'm wired for this. This is what gives me truth of women. Not all of us are called to speak like I do, even though I'm not a trained speaker, right? Uh, but speak the word of God. I'm a preacher. I'm called. God says he wants to use my voice to reach people. He said, I put my word in your mouth. Take it to the Gentiles. So the word I speak, when it comes to this kind of platform, are not what I think in my mind. I speak his word. This is what it's called me to do. Amen. So uh, let's hurry up. We final session. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You want me to give you two minutes break? I'll do this, then we pray. Wow, we all, oh, I was going to talk about vulnerability, but okay. Guys, let me do this in two minutes. What's vulnerability? What does it mean? Being able to connect with your spouse at an emotional level. Now, adultery, infidelity thrives in marriages where the spouses cannot be vulnerable with each other. And um, to some extent, shame is one of the reasons why people cannot be vulnerable with each other. Or when one party sees themselves to be superior to the other person and the other party is made inferior to look inferior to them. Even if your spouse is making you look, in a sense, making you look inferior, that does not mean you should take it as your identity. You got to snap out, man. You have to really believe who God says you are and hold on to it like a bulldog in the words of Pastor Dyer. Now, marriage is so powerful that your spouse can, have, can influence you such that it will begin to affect how you see yourself. That's how powerful marriage is. Whether we want to have expectation of our spouse or not, they can be created by the virtue of you know, union, marriage, marriage, marital union, because when two people come together in marriage, they are supposed to become one flesh. So spouses ought to be conscious and be careful with their, about their actions and what their action is making. You know. I can give an example, personal example. So my wife is not as tidy as I am. She's more tidy now, but like back then, oh, my wife doesn't care. She just doesn't. As long as it's clean, that's fine. But for me, no. You, I, probably you guys haven't seen me a number of times. All right? I'll just go here, put it together like this. No, it should be together like this. No, no. Kind of thing. That's all right. Okay, that should be this way. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That looks fine. That's me. My wife, is it clean? It's fine. That's it. Okay, that's good. 
But for me, ah, it's not arranged. It's not proper. Why is it not arranged? What do you mean? No, what is that? What is this? You put it together like this. Everything should be together. Where I'm going is this. So back then, I realized unconsciously, I was almost beginning to see my wife as somebody who is untidy. But you know what? That's how you see her. And that's the image you project on her. When you, when you project an image of somebody who's untidy on your spouse, how do you, what, what do you expect them to turn out? It begins to cause friction. It begins to cause all kinds of stuff. And it's not like they're not untidy. They're even, because when she folds clothes, my own looks like rubbish. So the fact that somebody cannot do something as good as you, or they don't do it as frequent as you do it, does not mean you drive them off or begin to project an image on them. I get me. So this is one of the few things that causes, that makes it difficult for people to connect together on an emotional level. And there's more in it, and I wish we could talk about it, but time will not allow us to. Right, but if you want us to talk more about it, ping me, and then we can have a Zoom call. Yeah, we'll have a Zoom call and talk about it. Yeah, but I feel in my spirit that Lord wanted us to talk about it, but we're kind of out of time now. And that's why I just have to talk about it, instead of getting us to go into breakout sessions. But think about it, you know, why, why do you think you're not able to connect with your spouse on an emotional level? Because if that emotional connection is there, forget about it. That marriage cannot really last. You guys can be living together, but you guys cannot really experience the joy and the beauty and the force, the power of marriage. Just the way intimacy with God is how we actually live over many negative circumstances in this world. Amen. Hence, people will be living together with head and passionately with the heart, but God wants us to be so knitted together that we can call out things in other person's life, even in our sleep. Amen. So as we go through the things that we talked about, you know, check yourself. What's causing intimacy issues with my spouse? You know, what do I need to deal with from my own side as opposed to their side? So we don't wait for them to fix themselves before we fix things on our end. And it's kind of a sensitive way. And I think one of sometimes when your spouse has condemned you or has used what you've given them against them, against you, it makes it difficult to ever be vulnerable with such a person. And I also want to say that people, go to, people need to go learn how to communicate and how to be responsible in marriage. People ought to go learn it. It's something you learn. You are not born with it. You are born to be self. You know, you know, you're not born to be selfish. When you are born into this world, you became selfish. You think you, don't, you think you think naturally we are not selfish. Let me put up a picture then. Tell me whose picture are you looking at first? Yeah. <laughs> I put up a group picture of every one of us on the on the screen. Tell me whose picture you're looking at for yourself. <laughs> Again, so self-centeredness. I was put it this way simply: immaturity is affecting a lot of marriages. Let me give you an example. When it comes to marriage, immaturity. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, when I was a child, I spoke like, I thought like a child and I spoke like a child. See, when I became a man, when I became mature, I put away childish things. So, just speaking brashly, speaking, talking anyhow, I will give them a piece of my mind. You don't know me? I will give it to you. It's part of immaturity. I guess he said, I, I thought like a child. How are you thinking? I thought and I spoke. So if you want to attain maturity to some extent, we should start working on what we are thinking on and talking about. 
It sounds like too simple, but that is it. Amen. Let's have a five minutes break. <laughs>